Hello, everybody, and welcome to another episode of the Game Tea Podcast. My name is JP. I'm Zach. And I'm Krista. So today we are actually down a man. Uh, Lisky decided to go home to be with his family or go to a wedding or some stupid shit like that. How selfish. So we brought along our number one plus one for life. Krista, Krista, introduce yourself a little bit. Um, I'm Krista, I'm Zach's wife, and that's all you really need to know about me. I don't know what you mean, our forever and always. I like Krista, but I mean like, gosh, you know. <laughs> okay, that's my cool. Forever, <laughs> my forever and always. I was the best man at their wedding, by the way. So, yeah. yeah. Give a heartwarming speech, it was nice. Some about Yu-Gi-Oh cards, it was great. Yeah, I actually, that was my gift to you guys for your, uh, little present was like, you remember I framed my best man speech with a picture of all of us and I gave it to you guys? Yeah, we still have that. It's very cute. Yeah, Love it. I'm super cute. All right. So anyway, today on the podcast, we are going to be talking about the specs that just came out for the Xbox Series X. Uh, we are going to be talking about a little girl that won the Pokemon Regionals. We are going to be talking about the creator of the Konami code, unfortunately dying this past week. And finally, we are going to be talking about a grandmother getting a brand new Game Boy after all these years. After that, we are going to be talking about some of the upcoming games for the next week. And finally, we are going to be getting into a new segment that we're starting called Rate That Rating. Zach, what is it that we do in Rate That Rating? So in Rate That Rating, we basically give our general idea of a game that we're playing. And then we're going to go on Metacritic and kind of see what the general consensus is for that game. And kind of debate with that and give it our true final updated rating with all that knowledge. And hopefully it should lead to some tomfoolery and some silly conversations. Some tomfoolery indeed. I like that word, tomfoolery. It should be really, really fun. Um, I did a practice game where I looked up one of my other favorite games and just looked at some of the stupid ass shit that people were putting in like the negative comments, you know, giving like God of War a zero out of 10 or whatever. So I think it's gonna be really funny. Those Nintendo fanboys, man, they're everywhere. <clears throat> and Krista here, is another professional in Pokemon and recently has been getting into Fortnite. So yeah. <laughs> how's that been going, Krista? Well, you know, I'm not big into a lot of video games, but um, especially with the whole like controls with my left and right hands, I haven't been very good with moving the camera and moving the person around. So I never thought I'd get into like shooting games, but I picked up Fortnite pretty uh, easily and I really like it. <laughs> That's really awesome. It's really funny that you're getting into it now. It's been out for like two years. <laughs> And just like you already have all, you know, the sweaty nine-year-olds who are really good at the game. But you've managed to get a couple of dubs. Yeah, I've gotten three wins, um, solo and a few duos and I think a few squads. So it's been good. That's really awesome. On the Switch, right? Yep, I'm only on the Switch. So it's probably easier because I am only playing with some sweaty nine-year-olds. <laughs> Facts. <laughs> all right. But she is also a professional Pokemon goer. Um, she can go around with the best of them. She's got more shinies than I can count. Yeah, your luck with getting shinies is outrageous. Oh, I love it. I love Pokemon Go. It's just, it's just fun. It's stupid fun. <laughs> All right, so the first thing we're gonna do today is get into some of the Xbox news. Now what's funny is getting into some of the Xbox Series X specs. Last week, we talked about some of the PlayStation 4 specs. And we made a comment about like, I can't wait to see what the Xbox is gonna do or you know, what their specs are gonna look like once it's released. Spoilers, Phil Spencer watches our podcast <laughs> and 
Clearly, because he instantly he released a little like updated spec and like what to expect with the Xbox, so. That is absolutely right. So right now we're looking at a article from Polygon by Charlie Hall, um, basically just highlighting some of the bigger things we need to know about the Xbox Series X. Now the very first thing bolded here makes me extremely excited. Xbox Series X allows for backwards compatibility, not only with games, but with accessories as well. So imagine you're an Xbox One player right now, and you just spent almost $200 on that Elite controller that you really, really love. Well, apparently, with the new Xbox Series X console coming out, you are allowed to use that controller on the next console. I can't think of another time where you've ever been able to do that with Xbox anyway. Obviously with Nintendo, like Smash players won't stop using the GameCube controller. So Nintendo's had ways where you can use older controllers. But what do you think about this? Like the ability to use new, older controllers on the new gen consoles? Well, you know that I'm a very frugal person. So any way that I can get more bang for my buck, that really makes me want to buy into a console and just seeing that it's super backwards compatible with like everything that you've already purchased right really makes me strongly consider an xbox especially because those xbox elite controllers being almost 200 dollars an xbox one yeah cost 200 dollars. so oh yeah it's insane but you know what for what it's worth the elite controller is actually phenomenal it feels great xbox does a really good job with its controllers you know i love the feel of their controllers but no that's absolutely awesome i love hearing that and I believe it's going to be compatible with Xbox, Xbox 360, Xbox One games. I think there's like a few outliers, but I think other than that, everything should work on this Xbox. It looks like it. So the next part is Xbox Series X brings next-gen solid-state drive and ray tracing to consoles. Um, I don't know how much you know about solid-state drive, but basically it's a different type of storage device that's different from your normal spinning disk drive. It's faster, it's a lot more compact, um, but the drawback is it's a lot more expensive to manufacture with not as much space. Like I could probably get a two terabyte spinning disk drive for the same price of a 500 gigabyte uh, solid state drive. But um, seeing these next gen consoles going with a solid state drive, what that's telling me is they're doing everything that they can to boost the speed of these consoles. But it's just another reason why these are going to be a little bit more expensive, especially since it's saying here that its GPU will also offer ray tracing, which again was another feature that we saw with the PlayStation 5 coming out here pretty soon. So Zach, when it comes to the specs that we're seeing with these consoles, do you think that we're gonna it's going to be pretty competitive between the Xbox Series X and the PlayStation 5 again? I bet they'll be neck and neck with the exact same thing as last time. Xbox will have the better specs, but PS5 will have the better exclusives. So I think that's just kind of what it's going to come down to. So I think at the end of the day, Microsoft, I don't know, they always seem to have the edge when it comes to power for the most part. Mm -hmm. um, but yeah, all these ray tracings, I don't understand that. I know it's like a big word right now. And I don't know if people, and I watch a lot of YouTubers and they're still trying to like define it for me. It seems like it's kind of just like one of those like really cool phrases to say right now. Mm -hmm. So I'm going to have to be looking more into that because it doesn't sound like anyone knows exactly what ray tracing does other than increase speed, which is very general because <laughs> <laughs> SSD increases speed because you're going to have less load times. So I don't know. I think it's really cool. Obviously next gen, more power. Everyone gets more excited for that. So it's going to be an exciting time. I think the holiday season is going to be just awesome for all gamers because of all the new stuff coming out. No, absolutely, it's gonna be awesome. As for the Xbox here, 
Um, the specs are going to be exactly aligned with the PlayStation, it looks like. It's going to have all the greatest stuff that's going into it. Someone made a comment on the last episode of the podcast saying that essentially what they're trying to do here is put a gaming PC experience into a console. And I think with the way that these are going, I mean, it's just going to get closer and closer. Another thing that Microsoft announced for this specific console is going to be NVIDIA G-Sync and AMD FreeSync. So it sounds like, and I already know this actually, AMD is going to be making the CPU and GPU for this console as well. With this being produced at the same time as the PlayStation, I don't really know if it's going to be that different of an experience between console and console this time around, since AMD is going to be making the chipset for both consoles. But it's going to be one of those things where we're going to have to wait and find out more about it. Um, but I am super interested and I cannot wait to learn more. I also really like the dynamic latency input, which you're going to synchronize better with your TV. Mm -hmm. I know input lag is something that I don't know, I'm starting to notice a little bit more with just those, those better end TVs. Yeah. So knowing that they're going to provide updates, they'll try and eliminate that or at least minimize it to an unnoticeable degree is awesome. Um, and then also the HDMI 2.1 support for 8K resolution. 8K resolution. I mean, they're future-proofing their consoles. People still good. haven't even got onto 4K yet. Right. I'm Not still everybody, <laughs> honestly. We just got our second 4K TV, so yeah, we kind of relate with those people. Um, they're they're future-proofing this next console generation. I doubt it'll be a while before we see a true 8K game. Mm-hmm. Like I'm talking like five years from now, probably. But we'll we'll see where it goes, cause. I don't know, 8K sounds mind mind blowing. I can't even <laughs> I can't even fathom it. Finally, the last thing here that honestly is probably the coolest thing about this article, Xbox Series X will save you from buying the same game multiple times. Now, basically what is being alluded to here is a cross-play and cross-buy philosophy. Um, I'm gonna have to look more into this, but it appears that once you buy a game for any Windows device, you'll be able to play it on pretty much any platform without having to go back and buy the same game again. Um, and I'm assuming that means that whether you've got like Halo, for example, on your PC and your Xbox One, there's gonna be absolutely no problem just bringing that game over to the Xbox Series X. I think that's absolutely phenomenal because nothing makes me more mad than having to rebuy the same game a few times just to get it on different consoles. This is something, I know we keep bringing up Nintendo, they're particularly pretty bad at. Right, it's the Switch tax. Yeah, the Switch tax. Um, so one thing about this, so we don't talk about Nintendo again, um, that I think is interesting that should be noted is this is just like the big players that are doing this right now. You're basically getting your Microsoft first party exclusives. So like Halo, Gears 5, you're gonna get your big parties that are doing this. It's not gonna be everyone who's doing this. and. Maybe like GTA 6 will do this. This is all like speculation, but like the only reason we're seeing this is with like some games like Cyberpunk 2077 is they're doing this because they cut a deal with Microsoft. So that the, the goal of any company is to make money. So they're doing this to make it seem like they're do, like they're they're supporting gamers, but you know there's something going on the back end that's making it so they're not wanting to double dip from the consumer. Don't expect this for every game, but definitely I think that's a strong asset that Microsoft has right now. Mm -hmm. where if they can get like like CJ CD project red is a huge company that you want to get on your side on your on your team so the fact that they have that um, right with uh, cyberpunk 2077 that's gonna make you really want to get on Xbox versus ps4 absolutely 
I'm sure Zara's gonna come in here and just rip us about how we mispronounced uh, some and forgot an important console. But our yeah, portal. well, if he wanted his opinion heard, he wouldn't be going off to his family's wedding or Ridiculous. whatever. What a dick. God, people get married. His dad listens to the podcast. He's gonna, <laughs> he's gonna think that's so funny. So our next news article is about a seven-year-old girl who wins the Oceanic Pokemon Championship. Seven years old. That's absolutely insane. Yeah, I'm 25 and I haven't won a championship yet, so I'm a little jealous right now. Uh, this little girl is a celebrity now. She had like the cutest like YouTube video. This girl like she wins and she just looks at the camera with like the cutest little like little girl smile and you're just like oh you can just tell how like sincerely happy she is and her little brother comes over and gives her a hug. But yeah, if you listen to our podcast, you would know that she probably Eevee and Ivy trained her Pokemon to perfection. So basically, this is a little prod a prodigy in the making. So apparently, the person that she beat was Justin Miranda Radbird. I don't know who that is. Apparently, he's a really big name in Pokemon gaming. Um, he has several championships under his belt, JP. Yeah, several championships under this belt. And this little girl just comes along with her cute little plushie. Look at that Eevee plushie. So actually, let's see who was on her team. All right, so on her team, she had a Rotom, an Excadrill, a Tyranitar, a Whimsicott, a Gyarados, and a Butterfree? And a Butterfree. A fucking Butterfree? <laughs> oh my god, that's amazing. I love Butterfree. Like so he had a Dusclops, a Rhyperior, a Snorlax, Glaceon, Torkoal, and what's this? Meowstic. Is that? No, I think that's an Esper. Well, whatever. A Pokemon. It's a Pokemon. Yeah, it's a Pokemon. That's amazing. Seven years old. So it is the junior division, so it's 12 year, 12 year old and, on, and under. So I mean, I think that's pretty awesome to beat a five-time champion. And it looks like she had a pretty good read because it looks like she only had a Tyranitar left. So yeah, absolutely. Girls roll, boys roll. <laughs> <laughs> Just another absolutely awesome, just feel-good story. Good for you, Simone. Um, if you're listening to this, which I'm sure you are, just absolutely well done. So another big thing is we have Pokemon Day, and uh, the Pokemon Company did a lot of things to celebrate. If you guys didn't know, they celebrate Pokemon Day on February 27th to commemorate the release of Red and Green in Japan. Mm -hmm. And usually Pokemon does something uh, exciting to celebrate the day. So what they did is they teased a new mythical Pokemon about two weeks ago. And everyone's wondering what it was. And it's called, I'm going to butcher this totally because I haven't watched enough pronunciation videos, but Zerud. And it's a grass dark Pokemon that I'm hoping will help my Rillaboom get even more OP. That's one thing they did. And then another big thing they did is, and Pokemon Sword and Shield, they made it so you can, they, you can encounter the raid in the raid battles. You can mm -hmm. encounter Squirtle, Bulbasaur, and Charmander. And they have, obviously, since they're in a raid, they have an increased chance to be shiny, so that's pretty cool. Oh, that is cool. And then there was this super hard Mewtwo raid, which is unbelievably hard. I still have yet to beat him, and I'm sitting there with my Max EV train, Necrozma, like, come on, just die, but Mewtwo is so OP. He starts nasty plotting and all these things and just sweeping everybody. So I still have yet to beat him. If you guys want to uh, team up, let me know, because I need some friends, apparently. <laughs> it is tough. I made a post about it on social media to celebrate Pokemon Day. Um, I whipped out my Game Boy Color and played Pokemon Yellow. You were training up some of your comp team. Krista, what were you doing? I'm, well, I'm the Pokemon Go person, so they have a lot of little things going on right now. Um, they have a lot of different Pokemon that are spawned more. Um, so I'm obviously, I'm a shiny hunter, so I'm clicking on everything that I can. Especially right now, they have 
Pikachu and Eevee with little party hats, and of course they can show up shiny. They have and, party hats? Oh, it's so cute. Oh. They always do cute things like that. Um, and then in raids, they have Bulbasaur, Charmander, and Squirtle also in little party hats that you can get. Um, and then, which also can be shiny, but they also have these clone Pokemon. So it's the evolutions, it's Charizard, uh, Blastoise, and Venusaur, and they, they look like they have like little camo skin or something. Um, so those are kind of cool. And yeah. if you're a Pogo person, then you want to, you know, have all the different variations of all the Pokemon. And <laughs> if you're really lucky, you'll have them also in shiny version. Um, so that's kind of what I'm doing. And I think they're they're doing it for a little bit longer than they usually do. It's from the February 25th. So, so they release it a little earlier. And then to Monday, uh, March 2nd. So we have a little bit of time because... Um, you gotta get all the people together to do those four star raids and get the cool camo ones and hopefully have the time to get the shiny Pokemon that you want. Krista is very intense. She gets on the Discord, she follows people around and they, uh, <laughs> she, she knows how to get what she wants when it comes to Pokemon Go. So let's say you're a shiny hunter. Let's say that you go through like a hundred Pokemon you click on. Oh yeah. How many out of those hundred Pokemon that you click are gonna be a shiny Pokemon? It's totally random. It's 100% random. You could get a hundred of them shiny or you could get none of them shiny. Mm. Um, I don't know the rate. Um, I just I just keep clicking and sometimes I get, I have like multiple um, Pokemon that are shiny and then I have clicked like over 2000 Pokemon uh, of the same Pokemon and haven't encountered one shiny mm -hmm. version of them. So. That's outrageous. Oh, it's it's the worst. But um, they also released on Netflix, Mewtwo Strikes Back Evolution. Oh, is it out? Yeah, on the yes. 27th it came out. So have that's you guys watched else. it yet? No, we have not watched it yet. We Saving it for that. a date night. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, I'll have fun with your date night. I'm going to go watch it after. Well, you can come. You I can know. come for a date night. Oh, no, I didn't mean to put it little like that. A little threesome going on. It'll oh, be nice. I don't like that. <laughs> I don't like that. I miss Zar. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, oh shoot. It's really nice to have uh, Krista as my wife because she will shiny hunt me Pokemon that I want and it's very-, very I've seen nice. her do it. I've seen her hatch eggs and get him a shiny Pokemon. And Pokemon and... sword? Yes. Yeah. That made me so mad. I'm sitting here with like a full shiny team at this point. It's pretty sweet. Oh it's my pretty god. Alright, well happy Pokemon day to one and all. Um, let us know on our social media how you've been celebrating. On the more tragic side of gaming news this week, Mr. Hashimoto, the creator of the famous Konami code, has died. So if you don't know what the Konami code is, um, it was originally introduced in 1986 with the game Gradius. Now what it was, was it was actually a dev code that was used in the game to give yourselves more lives. Because when you're testing the game, you wanted to be able to actually get those extra lives so you could keep going and just make sure the game was actually playable instead of actually trying to get in that cheat code. But essentially when they released the game, they forgot to take the Konami code out and some people, I don't know how anybody could have possibly randomly figured this out, but somebody did and they found out oh, about the somebody. lives. And to this day, it's one of the most infamous, whatever you want to call it, like cheat codes slash kind of Easter eggs in gaming. You can see it in movies. You can see it in other video games. It's just been an absolute phenomenon. Now, Zach, I will give you a huge pat on the back if you can tell me right now what the inputs are for the Konami code. Up, no, left, right, left, right, up, up, down, down, start, select, B? 
You're, you're kind of close. Up, up, down, down, left, right, left, right, B, A, start. Uh, I was mixing them up. See, I just keep doing it until I got it right. <laughs> <laughs> Which apparently is what somebody else did when they figured out the code. Because like I said, I have no idea how anybody could have possibly figured this out just randomly tapping on the controller. And then even when it does happen in the one in a million chance that you did something and got like 99 lives or whatever, you would then have to remember what you did and repeat the code. I just, I don't understand it. The point is though, that ever since this code has become available, it's been in so much, so many different kinds of media and finding out that the creator of this infamous code has passed away recently, it really is sad. A few examples I can think off the top of my head, there was a part of Wreck-It Ralph where as a little Easter egg, he did the input on the old NES controller. It's just, you know, kind of giving a little bit of those little things to gamers who know. It's really, it is, it's little things like that that's really awesome. ESPN for a little while in 2009 as kind of a little flash to the Konami code. They actually put it in their website where if you inputted that code, apparently ponies and unicorns would explode on their website. Wow. Yeah. As it should. <laughs> <laughs> yes. So that's amazing. I can even think of like Legacy of Goku, Dragon Ball Z, for the, it was for the Game Boy Advance. That game was hard. And so they had like a little code just like this. And I think it was just up, down, left, right, A, B, star, select. But it is pretty cool how much of an impact that it's made, or that it at least made in my earlier like gaming history. Because there were so many games that always used it. Like even like, I mean, Legacy of Goku was a pretty no name game. Made by Webfoot Games, like no one even knows who that is anymore. Mm -hmm. So it had a huge impact and this guy is a innovator and an awesome person. Yeah, it's just, I mean, anytime you get a new video game, it's probably not going to, the Konami code's probably not going to be in most games, but you always give it a try just because you never know what's going to happen. So just for this little Easter egg that kind of unites us as gamers, just knowing that the man who started it all, Mr. Hashimoto, has passed away, it's, it's a little bit sad. And we just wanted to say rest in peace. Thank you for giving to the gaming community. Zach, what is the last article that we have for today? So last article we have for today is on how Nintendo replaced a 95-year-old grandmother's Game Boy for free. Long story short is this grandmother has been playing Tetris. Game Boy is kind of like her nightly go-to-sleep routine for at least 30, 40 years, right? I honestly don't remember what year the game, the original Game Boy came out, but it sounds like as soon as it did, every Game Boy that was purchased um, came with a copy of Tetris. So in today, I mean, Tetris is still, I think it actually just got surpassed by Minecraft, but it's one of the biggest games of all time. So for the past 30 years, this woman's like bedtime routine was playing Tetris. And then that's how like she would like just end her day basically. And super cute story where she had the original like DMG Game Boy. Those things that survived, there's like pictures of it surviving the uh, Gulf War. Like you have like that exploded ones like in a museum. That's like, that's how strong these things are. But she's apparently been through three of them. And so finally, she, you know, they're hard to find these days cause you know, they're pretty much an antique. So she contacted uh, Nintendo customer service. Yeah. And um, they just said, oh, well, you've been like a valued customer for so long. They sent her a brand new Game Boy from their warehouse, just like out of the box, like that original 1980s packaging with Tetris. And it basically um, became a big news story because of that. What do you guys think about that? 
So, first of all, that's absolutely outstanding that Nintendo did that for her. I've got some questions, like how many of these things do they have locked away? <laughs> right. Mm -hmm. I mean, so like with the Game Boy, you're right. She went through three of these things, and they are. They're basically the Nokia of gaming. I mean, they're tough little things. So the fact that she went through three of them, that's pretty impressive. I don't know a lot of kids that could get that much play out of their Game Boys. I find it impressive because um, I think, you know, old ladies, they get kind of put down because they have stereotypes on, oh, they don't know what they're doing with technology. Um, but that's totally not true. And this clearly has shown that um, this woman loved her Game Boy and she's willing to um, replace it so many times to keep playing what she loves. And that's just super cool. I really relate with this story because you always hear about customer service and how you would call. And like some people are like, you got to be rude to get what you want. And I really don't believe that at all. Like, you guys don't know if you know this, but the Nintendo Switch is notorious for having Joy-Con drift. And this was before they were giving out free repairs for Joy-Con drift, mine started to drift. And so I called up Nintendo and I told them, I'm like, hey, I've been playing like forever. Like I've never had a bad product from you guys. Like I've, I grew up on the Game Boy all the way until now on the Switch. And I'm like, is there any way you guys can please do this? And they basically went from charging me, like I think it was 50 bucks with shipping and handling to doing it all for free for me. And they even, I said, can I also throw on my 3DS because my 3DS, the sound went bad. And they're like, of course, no problem. And they ended up doing all of that without charge. Mm -hmm. And it just shows that like they really do value their customers and they do take that very seriously. I really think Nintendo is, when it comes to customer service, as long as you're respectful, just truly a gamer and you're just trying to like, you know, not take advantage of the situation, but just get what you paid for. They're a very respectable company. Well, I think it just never hurts to ask too. So Nintendo actually gave this Game Boy to this woman four years ago when she was 95 years old. And this article is coming out now that she has recently passed away at the age of 99. But still, just a really awesome story. The article that we're looking at ends with, she retained all of her mental facilities until the very end. Her daughter stated that she believes her mother is still thankful even in heaven for Nintendo's divine customer service. Hopefully, she's still playing Tetris too. Like that's just awesome. Gaming is oh. powerful. If you enjoy it, it's a good, it's a good way to spend your time. Well, not only did that's Nintendo nice. reach out to the um, older woman, but it clearly is trickled down to the family too. I can only imagine how loyal the family is going to be after all of this. You know? Yeah. All right. It's Absolutely. a beautiful story. So that's pretty much it for the articles in this episode. Next, we are going to get through the games that are coming out this week. All right, so the games that are coming out this month, I still cannot believe it's March already. Holy crap, time is flying. We'll start with The Division 2, Warlords of New York expansion. That comes out for PS4 and Xbox One. That'll be on March 3rd. Fourth Generation Warfare PC comes out on March 5th. Murder by Numbers comes out for the Switch on March 5th, and then for the PC the following day on March 6th. Very cool. And then the big game that JP and I are pretty excited for is Pokemon Mystery Dungeon Rescue Team DX for the Switch. That'll be coming out on March 6th. JP, I'm pretty excited for this because it's Pokemon. It's kind of our theme yeah. of the week right now. Absolutely. What do, you, uh, what do you know about this? So I've always loved Pokemon's main titles. You know, you go to the gym, you get the badge, you train your team. But when it comes to some of the side games, I haven't actually played all of them. Um, Pokemon Troze for the Nintendo DS way back in the day. I loved that game. Um, I'm kind of learning to draw right now by using Pokemon Art Academy on the Nintendo 3DS. 
Um, but Pokemon Mystery Dungeon is something that kind of always eluded me. There's a demo out for this game right now on the Nintendo Switch that I have actually downloaded and played, and I think it's fun. Um, the game looks fantastic. The gameplay was fun. The story seems like it's gonna be really cute. I'm excited to play it. It'll give me something to do until uh, Animal Crossing comes out. Right, Tom Nook the Crook. Oh my God, I'm so excited for Animal Crossing. <laughs> yeah, I'm also excited. I think they have a really unique, it's like just this comic book art style for the game. It's just beautiful. Mm -hmm. um, it's not really my cup of tea as far as like the pacing with the combat, but I mean, it's got a really good demo, so you should definitely try it out. There's no harm in trying a demo, that's for sure. Now, the cool thing about the way the game is played is at the beginning of the game, you get turned into one of the starter Pokemon from the first three generations. You do not get to choose which Pokemon you are, though. It gives you a little personality test, and then you get turned into a specific Pokemon based on that personality test. That I gotta is ask, so cute. It's really <laughs> awesome. That is so cute. Yeah. I, I gotta ask, what Pokemon did you get? Uh... I'll give you like three guesses and I'll Charmander. Nope. Mudkip. Nope. Trico. Nope. Who? You're really close. Combine your first choice and your third choice. What do you mean combine my first <laughs> choice and my third choice? It's Charmander, but in Trico's generation. Oh, Torchic. I got Torchic. Yes. That's good. The blazing fire Pokemon. I'll kick you in the face. Don't kick me in the face. Yeah, I, I absolutely <laughs> love the personality quiz. Now, JP, I've got to guess yours. Go for it. And Gosh, it's got... Yeah, okay, it, it is a water, water type. type. It is a water yeah. type. Okay, I'm glad Chris said that because I was going to guess grass. It's awkward. Definitely water type. It... What the hell? <laughs> Damn. What? Do I even know I'm my best I'm clearly a water, Zach. Well, and you're clearly a fire. Like, I was like, yeah, it's got to be one of the fire ones. <laughs> uh, all right, so then I'm going to go Totodile. No. Oh, dang, Okay, Squirtle. No. Tree. Is it Mudkip? It's Mudkip. Yeah. I got Mudkip. <sighs> Third generation brothers! Woo! Yeah. So you're Trico by default, Krista. Okay, I'll go with that. Yeah, fine. <laughs> I'll go with it. It actually works out well because if I had to guess for Czar, I'm guessing that he probably would be a grass oh, type. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. 100%. So anyway, yeah, there is currently a demo available on the Nintendo Switch for Pokemon Mystery Dungeon. Go give it a download. Go give it a try. But I really think it's going to be a great game. So absolutely. All right, so this week we are doing a new weekly segment that we call Rate That Rating. Rate That Rating. Rate That Rating. Rate That Rating. Rate That Rating, baby! Zach, what do we do on Rate That Rating? So on Rate That Rating, we will provide some of our favorite games. We're going to talk about them, and then we're going to review them. And then we're going to compare that score to the Metacritic score and uh, see where some discrepancies may or may not lie. We're gonna look at the Metacritic score and we're also gonna look at some of the comments that people have posted about the game. Cause I don't know if you people knew this, there's a lot of idiots in the world. Did you guys know? Did you guys have an idea? You know, I was <laughs> driving here today and someone got in my lane cause they could. So yeah, I do, I do I'm looking that. at two of the biggest idiots Whoa. right now, but. <laughs> wow, you are so. Zar's not even here and you're yeah. making fun of him, jeez. <laughs> Wait a second, that, that leaves one more. <laughs> Am I the idiot? <laughs> what? No, no, you're great, man. You're smart. And... Anyway. Rate that rating. <laughs> rate that rating. So JP, why don't you go ahead and start? All right, now we want, so Zach and I are each gonna be doing two games. We wanted to do one of our favorite games and something that's a little bit more topical. I'm gonna get started with one of my favorite games ever. The Legend of Zelda Wind Waker holds a very special place in my heart. It's not the first game that I beat, 
but it's the first game that I beat by myself, if that makes sense. When I was eight years old, I got my GameCube and a copy of The Legend of Zelda Wind Waker. And it's what started my love for Zelda. It's what started my love for gaming. I just absolutely adore this game. So there's already nostalgia attached to the game for me. But on top of that, it's just an all around amazing game besides having kind of that stigma, that personal stigma attached to it. So originally, the reason why I'm a little bit worried about Wind Waker is because some of its ratings actually gave it a bad rep because this is the Zelda game that had to follow Ocarina of Time and Majora's Mask, which is some people's favorite, not just Zelda game, but favorite game of all time. Ocarina of Time for the Nintendo 64 was mind-boggling. It was an absolutely astonishing game. It was amazing. Wind Waker was the game that had to come after that and kind of fill into its shoes. So when people saw the cartoony art style, um, they were automatically turned off. But I absolutely adore the cartoony style of the game. It's different, but it looks beautiful and it's magnificent. I love the way that the game looks. And I'm not trying to cut you off, but there was that famous E3 where Nintendo showed this super dark, gritty, realistic world, and then they showed Wind Waker at the following E3. And so people were kind of like, but you showed us this, and now we're getting that. And so Nintendo, Nintendo was like, that's just Nintendo's communication skills sometimes. But then also people were like, had these high expectations for a super gritty, realistic Zelda world. Yeah. And then they got cartoon Zelda. And um, so some people got a little too... Uh... Well, people got their gritty Zelda with uh, Twilight Princess. But JP, that was three years later. JP. Oh my god. I, but people were complaining about it still. They were like, no, 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 this is too dark. I'm just convinced. It's too dark. You I call really it the win. Star Wars effect where people are not going to be happy no matter what. And everyone's going to bitch. And that's just the way things are. Absolutely. As far as story goes, it's your standard Zelda adventure. But I wait, mean, it wait. does... Is Gandorf the bad guy? Ganondorf, yeah, he's still the main villain. Is he? He's the bad one? Who'd you think it was, Zelda? Um, yeah. Z she's always getting <laughs> trapped. She's up to something, man. And women suck. And she's got the she's got the Triforce of Wisdom. What is she doing? Her best. <laughs> <laughs> all right, all right, all right. Fair enough. Okay. So along with that, the gameplay is fun. The game mechanics are great. It's just all around a great game. Um... Okay, I got it. Did you like the uh, part where you like sneak around the fortress? And the, so I thought the pacing was off with that section. If you've never played Wind Waker, um, as soon as you get your sword, about 15 minutes later, you lose it and you have to sneak around the fortress. And for some people, it was really hard. I enjoyed the section, but I will admit the pacing was a little off with that because it's not fair to just give someone a sword <laughs> and literally take it away immediately for you to do this. You actually visit that fortress twice, and I think it would have been a better idea to put that at the second time you go to the fortress, because that way, it's like, at that point, you've been using your sword, and it's like, oh, wow, now I don't get the sword. Whereas, if you put it at the beginning, it's like, oh, I've got the sword. Oh, never mind. No, and, and it's gone. <laughs> I can't use it on anything. And it's gone. So, so, my prediction, JP, for the most complained about parts of the art style... And then that section. Other than that, I think they're going to say it's a great game. The story is amazing. Um, I loved the gameplay. I love, yeah, the art style was phenomenal. If I had to give it a personal rating, knowing like all the things I know about video games now, I'd give it a 9.1 out of 10. Nice. To Solid me, it's score. just a phenomenal game. But I honestly think that those complaints from other people are going to bring it down lower. 
Should we take a look at the score? We should take a look at the score, JP. Because people uh, really don't know how uh, yeah, how to voice their comments sometimes. Like some people think, oh, it doesn't have the perfect graphics. It's a zero out of 10. All right. So Metacritic is giving this an 8.9 out of 10. That's so pretty think, close. Yeah, I think I, was, I think I was pretty <laughs> close. So an 8 point, I don't have too much to complain about there. Um, it's pretty much in the same realm. I figured that with some of the complaints people were going to have with the game, it was going to be at about that. I think it's so funny. So Krista, basically how game reviews work, if it's zero to five, the game is like almost unplayable. Like that means there's like some sort of like literal crashing bug. And that's why people give it like a zero. Like rate a game in a zero to a five is just outrageous to me unless it's literally unplayable. Five to six is like, well, it's playable, but like I did not have fun playing it. Six to seven is like, yeah, it was good, but there was a lot of room for growth. Mm -hmm. And then seven to eight is like your average, like good game. Like you're going to feel good by this. Eight to nine is like, wow. And then nine to 10 obviously is like, this is something. Nine to 10 is one of the most phenomenal games you're ever going to play in your life. All right. So let's start off by looking at some of the more positive reviews for this game. John S. said, okay, so maybe it doesn't deserve a perfect score. <laughs> Gives it a perfect score <laughs> Gives anyway. it a 10 out of 10. <laughs> sure, there's like two bits where I got stuck or kind of bored, but the sheer wall of content that is enjoyable and intriguing to the very end is just exceptional. If I could, it'd be a 9.8 out of 10. That's something I didn't uh, mention was the replayability of that game is also phenomenal. Like... The whole sailing mechanic, going to go to different islands. There's so much content that's in the game that you're not, if you're just doing your basic dry bones run through to get through the story, there's still probably going to be even more to do after the game than there was in the story. It's, yeah, I think this guy absolutely nailed it on the head. Sean M said, I can't believe you people who rated this game badly because it doesn't have real life graphics. Have you ever played The Legend of Zelda A Link to the Past? That is the best game ever made for any system, anywhere, anytime. <laughs> That's a little debatable, but I love your spirit, Sean. So one thing that I think we're going to notice here is you're going to have just polar opposites. You're going to have these people who give it 10s, even though, I mean, Wind Waker's a great game, but does it deserve a 10 in your opinion, JP? A 10, no, but there's very few games that deserve a 10. Even games that have been given a 10 by like IGN, like, Breath of the Wild is one of my favorite games ever made. I don't think it deserves a 10. I think right. it's as close to perfect as it can get, but there's no game that's a 10. Right, and so you have like over like 200 reviews. Uh, there's 1,100 reviews here, and there's a lot of 10. So you're going to see polar opposites. So I imagine when you go to negative, it's going to be a lot of zeros and ones. Let's do that right now, actually. So Ian R. gave the game a 3 out of 10. He said... The sailing is awful in this game. There's barely anything in the ocean to interact with, so you're mostly sailing across a big blue oblivion trying to get an island, so hopefully you can do something interesting. The whole wind baton thing is tedious and not at all interesting or intuitive. Design-wise, it's extremely inconsistent, and gameplay-wise, it is not very much improved on from Ocarina of Time. Wow, that was, that was brutal. Um... I completely disagree with the sailing. I knew this was going to be a bad idea because I'm getting angry. <laughs> so, no, that's why it's a great idea. I want to see you angry. <laughs> no. So I got to ask, JP, this... how would you define the ocean in real life? The, the actual ocean? The actual ocean. It's pretty empty. It's pretty empty. So, Ian, what were you expecting when you were <laughs> sailing through water? Just sharks popping up and attacking you? 
That's that happens in the games. Oh Things shit! Okay. Attack you. And there's stuff. There is islands in it. Oh my god! So the map is divided in squares, and you have to talk to this fish to get your map updated. But there's an island in every single one of those squares. So there's at least 36 different places to go. And oh, Ian, you suck, Ian from Ian <laughs> so, R. June twenty seventh. June twenty seventh, two thousand and seven. I hope you matured, Ian. Screw you, Ian. <laughs> Okay. Um, Find yourself... Oh my god, so Bennett here. And he, this is one of the people that are talking about the graphics. Find yourself some images of Space World 2000, spa, 2000 preview graphics. Only then will you be able to see what a horror this game is. And he gave it a zero. He gave it a zero just... Like, I understand that the way the game looks isn't for everybody, but come on, man. A zero is literally the game is unplayable. Right. And he's giving it a zero just because of the way the game looks. I mean, I'm all for having good conversations about gaming, but a zero? Oh, Anonymous Guy's even better. Nintendo did the one thing I never thought they would do. They turned Zelda, in parentheses, previously a great series, into a cash-in. Nintendo has really got to get their act together before it loses all of its fans. Unlike you are under the age of seven or very immature for your age. Oh, you were eight, JP. You will probably not enjoy this game. Ouch. <laughs> this is making me mad. This is making me sad. All right, let's let's get out of this. Cause... All right, before I... Okay, yeah, before we get sad... Or no, before I get sad, I don't... Let's go on to your games, because this is too much. This is too much. Oh, you think this is bad? Just wait till you say... I'm talking about Pokemon Shield. You want to talk about a controversial oh, game. Oh, boy, you're right. Pokemon Sword and Shield came out in November of 2019. They came out to great controversy because... They cut some of the Pokemon out of the game. And I have a sneaking suspicion that when we read these, they're going to give a lot of zeros because, oh my God, my Smeargle that I never ever use is not in the game. Which is a fine complaint, but to give it a zero is a little over the top. They cut most of the Pokemon from the game though, didn't they? Uh, so there's 400 Pokemon and there's 890 total. So they cut, yeah, over half the decks. It's like Thanos snap, you know? <laughs> and they were gone. Pikachu, I don't feel so good. <laughs> <laughs> and um, so their excuse for why they cut the Pokemon was kind of bullshit. They, they said that they were going to improve animations. And well, then the tree gif came out. And basically, if you haven't seen it, it's like a tree that looks equivalent to an Ocarina of Time tree from the 1999 uh, Zelda Ocarina of Time game. Mm -hmm. um, so, yeah, their uh, excuse didn't really back up what was going on, and really what I think happened is they're like, we have to make a yearly Pokemon game because, oh my god, Pokemon prints money. And so <laughs> there was a big outrage of that. Yeah. And uh, so I'm going to go into like my review of it, and I really just think it was an overall great game. As I said, story-wise, it's really an awesome Pokemon game. Musically, it's I think it's got some of the best music in the series. The Pokemon, they do look crisp. There's other things in the game that don't look crisp, but oh my gosh, my shiny Tyranitar is popping right now on Pokemon Shield. So I'll add on to that a little bit. The new Pokemon that they introduced in Pokemon Sword and Pokemon Shield, they really were phenomenal Pokemon. Um, Toxtricity is one of my favorite Pokemon right. of all time now. Um, not Corviknight? Just, Corviknight yeah. is dope. Yeah, they, you know, people always like to complain when it comes to Pokemon. The designs just aren't good anymore. I always make the case, the designs were always hit and miss to begin with. Right. You're always. A There's a Voltorb. Voltorb is literally a Pokeball. Volt yeah, Voltorb <laughs> and Electrode are lazy as hell. Uh, what about Magmar? Mr. Butt 
faced duck person that hey, shoots fire. Hey, yeah, that's weird. Execute. <laughs> okay, execute. I kind of like execute. One of them's broken. Well, one of their friends are dead, Zach. I'm broken, JP. Oh my god. <laughs> Not as broken as the score is gonna be. <laughs> Graphics and animation, like I said, and JP said, it's just hit or miss. Like the Pokemon look really, some of the Pokemon look really, really good. Some of the animation with the Pokemon, when like Score Bunny does Mega Kick, it looks kind of goofy. <laughs> um, there is no voice acting, which some people don't like, and I kind of get that, but I also think that's how people relate with their character more, is you kind of interject your own voice acting into it. At least, mm -hmm. I don't know. That's how I always did as my RPG boyness. Yeah. I really honestly thought it was an overall great Pokemon game with some really good stuff. It just did not have all the content. And I think the DLC that we're going to get is going to even that out, even though, yeah, we just paid $90 for a Pokemon game. The Pokemon DLC is probably going to introduce like another 200 Pokemon too. I think that's what they said. I think you're right, JP. All right, Zach. So if you had to give the game a rating out of 10, what would you give it? Oh, gosh, okay. I'll give a solid score. I'm going to stick with like an 8.8 .8 out of 10. An 8.8 .8 out of 10. Bold. That uh, is bold indeed. Bold. All right, let's take a look. Bold indeed at the score. <laughs> All right, game. Zach. Well, the game Pokemon Shield got a... Four... Point four out of 10. I think that is just outrageous. <laughs> Doesn't surprise me in the least bit, but I guarantee these guys don't know how to rate a video game. Okay, but we did the same thing with Wind Waker. Let's start by reading some positive reviews before we get into the negative. Yep, 10, thank you Game Freak. This is the most important review you'll ever read on Metacritic. These are the best games ever made. The criticisms are unfounded and dumbfounded. Why are you complaining about only having 400 Pokemon to play as? Other RPGs like Final Fantasy and Xenoblade and Persona typically only have like seven-ish characters to play as. Don't ever talk trash on Xenoblade, I swear to God. Thank you, Game Freak. Yeah, Zach loves Xenoblade. And I love Persona. <laughs> Persona 5 is one of my favorite games with PlayStation. Yet people are upset about 400. Bad argument. Bad graphics. That's not true. These games are cartoony, beautiful, appealing graphics. They are timeless. I think the Thanos snap, nice, of Pokemon is the best thing to happen to this series. It exposes the fake fans and shows who really cares about Pokemon. If you dislike these games, you need to purchase them again and try again. <laughs> and if you don't buy them, then don't talk. So this guy uh, made a lot of good points, in my opinion. <laughs> <laughs> it's, I, it's funny that he brought up the Thanos snap too. Just, but yeah, he makes some good points. The average, the average RPG these days does have like maybe five to like eight characters that you can play as. Pokemon has over four hundred. That is pretty sweet. Yeah, absolutely. And they look, the Pokemon at least look pretty crisp. So thank you, Game Freak. You have made a lot of good points. Now some of them are a little over the top. Um, like you should buy them again. I, you know, if you don't like the game, I wouldn't buy it again, but that's, that's you. You don't have to do it with your money. The Angry Scapula, ultimately a very fun and immersive Pokemon experience that is greater than the sum of its parts. The new Pokemon designs are stellar. The region is beautiful. The music is absolutely incredible. While there's still a lot of room to expand the franchise and this game has a number of flaws. It's easy to overlook them and enjoy them. And what is, in my opinion, an ambitious and utterly charming to date. So he mentions the music as well. That's something that Pokemon Sword and Shield don't get a lot of credit for. Video games in general, nobody really takes a look at the audio engineering nearly as much as they should. The music and the sounds in Pokemon Sword and Shield, they were fantastic. I did love them. And the other part that I don't see in any of these reviews talks a little bit about the wild area introduction into Pokemon Sword and Shield. I think that was a big up and up for the game as well that can be easily 
a reason to add a couple of points onto the game's ultimate score. Absolutely. Zach, are you ready to read some of the bad? Oh, I'm ready to read some of the bad. I imagine. I don't know if you are. It's going to be the literal exact opposite of thank you, Game Freak. Literally someone that says fuck you, Game Freak. <laughs> <laughs> That's your one F, JP. You blew it. Not a chancy. Okay, you win for the name alone. Not a chancy. <laughs> and, That's good. And, a zero out of ten. <laughs> an insult to lifelong Pokemon fans. Stripped of all personality. Mostly a repackage of old collection, animations, and ideas. Nothing new to gain. Plenty of good old stuff removed for literally no reason other than to get the game out faster. Yes, I do believe that they did try and get this game out a little bit quicker. Um, nothing new to gain, I would argue the wild area. Plenty of good old stuff removed, I would argue that they added some good stuff to make up for that. And that usually Pokemon, when they go from generation to generation, they take some stuff out and put it back in later. The Pokemon in general though, I mean, it's a little bit harder to justify that choice in my opinion, to take out so many Pokemon, when they were reusing some of the animations from the 3DS days anyway. I mean, if you're doing that, clearly these chips in the Nintendo Switch have the ability to hold all that data. I mean, look at Breath of the Wild, just that insane amount of space that can be held on these small ass cartridges. So to me, it's not unreasonable to believe that you could put the Pokemon in these games, but I think there's a greater reason to it all. I just don't know what it is yet. I, uh, I am loving some of these names though, because the next one's Metagross. This game is not great. He gave it a two out of 10. So again, if you get like anything less than a five, your game is almost unplayable. Are you okay, Zach? You sound angry. I'm fine. Easy games aren't in themselves a bad thing, but in a strategy game like Sword and Shield, you need at least a basic level of difficulty to make it interesting. Nothing makes me laugh more than Pokemon fans talking about difficulty. I mean, yeah, Pokemon Red and Blue were harder, but that's also because you didn't know anything back then. You didn't know type differences. You were younger. You were less experienced. People right. act like you can just make a hard game but then people get mad that it's like hard i don't i don't i think like you said earlier people don't know what they want the star wars effect right. people are going to be angry no matter what you do and that this website is the perfect example of that you've got plenty of people who love the game and you've got a lot more people here who would rather just shit all over it because it's not exactly like previous generations you know it's just the way that these people are so Zach, what was the what was the rating that you gave to the game? Didn't you give it like a 8.8? .8. You gave it an 8.8, .8, and these people are giving it a 4.4. .4. And you know what? That's exactly what I expected. I say these games are a little better than a zero out of ten. Would you say, JP? Uh, a zero out of ten? Yeah, I'd agree. It's better than a zero out of ten. All right, all right, good, good. All right, so I think you've suffered enough. Uh, let's go to my game. And if you thought that Pokemon Sword and Shield were going to be bad, wait till you see what we get for Kingdom Hearts 3, which is gonna be my next game. So Kingdom Hearts 3, um, I have been a Kingdom Hearts fan. I started with the original game, Kingdom Hearts, and I liked the game, but then Kingdom Hearts 2 came out and that's when I became a huge fan. I love the Kingdom Hearts series, um, and I've played every game and I've had to buy eight different consoles just to play all these goddamn games because one was for the Nintendo DS. Uh, Birth by Sleep came out on the PSP, um, there were actually a couple on the DS. They used a random word generator just to name all these goddamn things. So already I know I've got a lot working against me here. When it comes to visual style, Kingdom Hearts 3 looks phenomenal. I don't think anybody can deny that a lot of TLC went into the game when it comes to how it looks and how it sounds. 
because it's absolutely gorgeous and it sounds amazing as well. I love their soundtrack. The yeah, the soundtrack is phenomenal. Um, the voice acting was pretty good for the most part, I believe. Um, now the weakest part of Kingdom Hearts in general is the story. If you hear anybody complain about Kingdom Hearts, the first thing that they, they're going to bring up is the story. And I'm going to admit it, it's for good reasons. Kingdom Hearts 3's story is convoluted, it's long, and even if you know everything there is to know, it still doesn't make a whole lot of sense. I am willing to admit that. However, there is also a lot of great things about the story. There's a lot of amazing characters introduced. There's a lot of closure in Kingdom Hearts 3 that kind of wraps up a lot of these loose ends really, really nicely. And overall, Kingdom Hearts 3 I thought was an outstanding game. Any fan of the series that I've talked to so far about the game, they've been pretty happy with the final result and the way that it all kind of wrapped up. Um, I have not taken a look at the Remind DLC yet. I heard a lot of people were disappointed with that. Um, but with DLC, I don't ever consider that a part of the main game anyway. Otherwise, it would be a part of the main game. Right. Kingdom Hearts 3 on its own, I feel like it was a great adventure. I'm really happy I played it. I really liked the Disney worlds that were introduced, the new ones. A few of the storylines in the worlds were weak as well. Frozen, for example, they really just kind of whiffed through it. They could have been a lot more creative, I thought. JP. What? Everyone in the world seemed frozen. Yeah, I don't know why. And you're an <laughs> And you're a teacher, so I don't even know why I bothered. <laughs> you used to work at a daycare. You've probably seen the movie oh more than anybody else. Oh my god, I can't anybody let it go, else. JP. It just keeps coming, man. It the just gift, keeps coming. The gift that keeps on giving. <laughs> Frozen was the epitome of how they kind of just skimmed through a lot of these Disney worlds. And they didn't put as much love into that because they wanted to put more time into like the Kingdom Hearts story of what was going on with Sora and Riku and Kairi and you know, Roxas and Axel and everybody else that was in the game. So you're so, trying to get like the TLDR version of all the Disney worlds? Yeah, pretty much. Okay. Um, but even then it was a little watered down. So, I mean, like I said earlier, the worst selling point of Kingdom Hearts is its story, but everything else about the game is really phenomenal. And um, if I had to give it a personal rating, I'd give it like an 8.6 out of 10. It's a beautiful game. It's you cannot beautiful. give the graphics and the art enough love. Mm -hmm. Even if the story is a little incoherent at points, you can still tell that there was love put into it. It's just they got a little carried away sometimes. And the combat was over the top and fun. Oh, I didn't even talk about the combat. Yeah, the combat is a lot of fun. I mean, at the end of the day, nothing feels as effective as just mashing X over and over again. But the carnival rides, even though they were super plentiful and got a little annoying, those were really pretty and fun to look at. Switching between Keyblade formations was really, really fun. And if you know what you're doing, you can make it really fluent as well. All right, so on Metacritic, the user score is an 8.1. Wow. Yeah, you know what? That's actually a lot higher than I thought it was gonna be. Um, Almost 1,600 positive reviews compared to 282 negative. Mostly when I go onto like YouTube to look up Kingdom Hearts things, people have a lot more negative things to say than they do positive. So I was anticipating a pretty bad score here. But this is actually really surprising. It's making me really happy. I'm sorry I get to be happy since your user score didn't go very well. Oh, but... I expected it. Fully, fully <laughs> expected it. I didn't expect this. I think that's like also a thing. You that silent majority, like who are like, this game is fine. Yeah. Like, like this is a good game. Like, is it the best 
of all time. No, but it's a good game. Um, but then you have that really loud minority mm-hmm. who are like, God, they should have fixed this and implemented this. This is what I would have done if I was a game designer. Meanwhile, it's like a 15-year-old behind a keyboard that's made like 15 different accounts to oh my God. back themselves up. And you're like, okay, chill out, dude. So, Nintendo64. Cool, nice. na- cool name, cool name. He gave it an 8 out of 10. What he had to say... In terms of audio and aesthetics, the installment blows all of its predecessors out of the water. The visuals are straight out of a fully rendered Pixar movie, and as always, Square never fails to deliver when it comes to Kingdom Hearts music. So yeah, basically all the things that I had to say as well, uh, Nintendo, who seems like a very smart guy, seemed to agree with me on. The story on the other hand was poorly paced, unfortunately. The high bar that was set as a result of all the games in between Kingdom Hearts 2 and Kingdom Hearts 3 left the audience expecting a fantastic finale to the Xehanort arc. But the meaty portions of the story weren't covered until the final six to eight hours of the game. Yeah, so not only was the story a little off, the pacing of the whole thing was bad too. And like Kingdom Hearts 2, for example, you get a little bit of the Kingdom Hearts story and then you visit a Disney World and then you go to a Kingdom Hearts story and then you visit a Disney World. In this game, it was really abrupt and you didn't get like what you were truly there for, which was the Kingdom Hearts story until like the second third of the game. You didn't see much of anything going on at all. Hmm. So yeah, that was a really good point. What Nintendo 64 is trying to say here was there was much more good to the game than bad. He also said the combat is very satisfying and flashy. However, Sora now has access to so many overwhelmingly strong options that it feels like the enemies don't stand a chance. I think this is in regards to the game's difficulty a little bit. I'm not going to go too much on the difficulty of the game because if you really want a challenge, you can do proud mode and then nobody will be complaining that the game's a little too easy after that. That's what I did. (laughs) But overall, yeah, Nintendo 64, you seem like a very smart man. Thank you for agreeing with me. JP, are you telling people who are only smart people who agree with you? What? No. No, man. I wouldn't do that. Shut up. Monotamin gave the game a 9 out of 10. He says, Kingdom Hearts 3 is a great game. The story might be confusing, but it is also one of the series' greatest strengths. Hmm. That is an interesting opinion. Let's keep <laughs> Just because it's confusing doesn't mean people can't follow it. And while people often complain about how the story is so convoluted, it's not really convoluted. It's just a lot to remember. I kind of agree with that. There is definitely a lot to remember about the story in Kingdom Hearts. But you do also have to admit that it's a little bit convoluted at times, even when you do know everything that's going on. Still, though, I think this guy makes another good point. 9 out of 10. That's awesome. All right, Zach, are you ready to see some of the shit reviews for this thing? I'm ready to see some of the shit reviews. This is where... JP is passionately a lover of Kingdom Hearts, so I'm ready to see him just get a little flustered. Kingdom Hearts is top three for me. It's The Legend of Zelda, Pokemon, Kingdom Hearts. Hobobo says that Kingdom Hearts is half the game it used to be. Not even sure it can be called Kingdom Hearts anymore since its very premise has been completely scrapped. I, like many others, have been waiting for Kingdom Hearts 3 for a very long time. Seems that all that patience wasn't worth it in the end, so what am I talking about? Oh man, JP. Oh yes, I can't wait. Square Enix has completely removed all the Final Fantasy characters from Kingdom Hearts 3. No more Squall, no more Cloud, Sid, Sephiroth, etc. Instead, we're left with Easter eggs to remind us they once existed. And that, poof, they are gone with no explanation. Instead, we are left with only Disney characters. You know what? I'm a little I'm a little angry, but I do have to give it to this guy. He is right. I was pretty upset when there weren't any of the Final Fantasy characters in the game anymore. You don't see Cloud. You don't see Sid. You don't see Sephiroth. You don't see 
anybody. You don't see anybody. Why didn't they re-include them in the game? I actually agree with that complaint. Is it worth giving the game a 1 out of 10? Absolutely not, you fucking child. But... <laughs> But that, still, okay, okay, okay. I can handle that one. Keep going. That's basically all of his um, comments. It was just a four or five paragraphs. Just about so he that. gave the game a one out of ten just because it didn't have any of the Final Fantasy characters yeah. left in it. Oh, yes. mm. oh, that makes me mad. Oh, Pepper one 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 zero. Not what it used to be at all. Way overrated. Too much hype, and all the fanboys don't care. <laughs> That's it. What That's do you give? What do you give the game? Three out of ten. Oh my god! And all the fanboys don't care. Okay. Oh. Okay. Okay. This one's in Spanish. I'm gonna skip that one. <laughs> um, Jlog X87. Zero out of ten. It's unbelievable how much this game sucks. The story is stupid, confusing, and contradicting to he other games in the series. In fact, there is no story, and nothing makes any sense. <laughs> <laughs> The characters are empty, one-dimensional, and just as stupidly written as the plot. The battle system has Sora way overpowered, removing any challenge whatsoever in mini-games. There are way too many mini-games. Half the game is mini-games. Half your review is mini-games. Oh my god. The game is what so... The game is the worst in the entire series. Even if you are a fan, I wouldn't recommend playing this game. What? Skip it. The story pretty much ended with Kingdom Hearts 2. <sighs> A zero out of ten. He gave the game a zero out of ten. What's his name? J Log X87. Fuck you, J Log X87. <laughs> okay, the mini games. Yeah, there's a lot of them, but you don't have to play them more than one time. None of them are. The, I don't know. Jeez. None of the games you have to play more than one time. They're not that big of a part of the game. They're really not. And that's the bulk of his complaint here. And for that, he gives the game a zero out of ten. That's ridiculous. The this, plot made no sense, JP. I, Oh, I admitted that there's holes. I admitted that there's holes. But a zero out of ten. Oh my god. I'm angry. Yeah, um, now I know it's like new ways just to set JP off. I'm just gonna say mini games. And he'll be like, you bastard. <laughs> Alright, Zach, we have got one game left to talk Astral about. Astral Chain. We're talking about Astral Chain. You're talking about Astral I'm Chain. I'm talking about Astral Chain. Alright, so. Long story short, it's story, it's over the top, it's a platinum game, it's fun and engaging. Yeah. I just really enjoy the story. I haven't beaten it yet, um, which I think kind of detracts from that, but from what I've heard, it ends very well, and there's kind of even a, a mode afterwards that I'm pretty excited for. Um, characters, you're basically twins, and then like a few other police officers, and you're fighting these chimera-like beings, and you're saving the world from utter destruction. Um, and it's a ton of fun. Graphics, the game is literally like an anime like movie the entire time. It's so crisp and it's awesome and it's fluid. It sounds really cool. And um, along with the combat, like it's just, it's a platinum game. Platinum knows how to do combat and it's just so much fun mm -hmm. and it's so interactive and you're basically controlling two fully fleshed out characters at the same time. And it's like, it sounds overwhelming at first and it kind of is, but once your brain like kind of wraps around it, oh my gosh, it's fun. Mm-hmm. And once you figure out the the uh, exact plot and the um, the combat, it's a fun time. Mm -hmm. um, there's not a lot of humor or anything, but it's a it's a solid game. It's got cats. You like cats? It really throws in cats for you. So it sounds like I mean, it, there's not a whole lot to the game, but it does what it does very well. A good story, good combat. Did you say anything about the graphics, the animation? How how does the game look? Yeah, the game looks like an anime. It's like awesome and crisp and looks fluid. So if you had to give it a score out of 10, what do you think it deserves? 
I would give it an 8.5 out of 10. If it's just a little bit longer, it'd be great. Um, I did not like the police sections as much. It kind of slows down the awesome combat, mm -hmm. but it's a good break also. So I kind of see why they try to do that. So yeah. All right. Are you ready to take a look at the Metacritic score? I am. All Thanks. right, so the user score is an 8.9 for the game. That is not bad at all, actually. 2,700 positive. That's the most so far. No, that is. That's a lot of people are really big fans of this game then. All right. 250 uh, negative. That's crazy. Let's take a look at some of the positive reviews. Okay, that's a name. Artemis Sailor says, incredible, just incredible. The music, the graphics, the playability, everything in this game is incredible. A must-buy game for all Switch players. Definitely think if you're a Switch, sweet. you awesome. should pick this game up. She gave it a 10 out of 10. Alexio 3, 10 out of 10. Platinum Games does it again. A really welcoming experience for Platinums. Real fans, not like entitled PS4, oh, who are bombing it. Wow. So this game did get bombed because it was a... Nintendo Switch exclusive, and some people really want them like other consoles, so that's, that's why he's saying that. That's pretty ridiculous. Um, all right. Deskark. This game is graphically beautiful, excellent soundtrack. The game is much better than Devil May Cry 5. All wow, right. I didn't even talk about the soundtrack, but yeah, the soundtrack is awesome. Like, it literally, it literally feels like an anime. Like, you're just playing an anime character, you get these over-the-top moves, and just when you think, like, you got it figured out, you go, like, Super Saiyan, you have another, like, awesome combat move to try out. So I know the gameplay is not quite the same, but as far as like art style and style of game, I really love Persona 5. Would I be interested in playing Astral Chain too? Oh, absolutely. It's definitely got that same like anime art style as Persona. It's okay. not like a, um, I mean like obviously it's not like that Harry Potter like school like thing like they have going on, which is awesome for Persona, but it's kind of got some more like cop elements to kind of balance out that high school element. Awesome. So like just imagine that and then just imagine the combat is like a beat em up that's awesome. It looks like you're not the only one who thinks this. I mean, I'm looking down the list for the positive reviews and they've all been 10. Okay, here's a nine, but I had to scroll down pretty hard to find it. People love this game. Right. There's not a lot of variance in the positive reviews. People love this game. And I'm gonna be fair, is this game a 10 out of 10 perfect game? Absolutely not. Well, let's see what these people have to say. I'm thinking of putting a sad violin sound underneath all the negative reviews. Do it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's, uh, that's good stuff. All right, Zach, let's look at some of the negative reviews here, and I'm going to make you feel bad, too. PS3 Fan 2. Oh, hey, look at that. Oh, yeah. Yeah, <laughs> yeah that's, uh, that's a good right start. there. Okay, he gave the game a 4 out of 10. Fantastic graphics, but everything else is really mediocre or outright poor. Go buy Devil May Cry 5 or Bayonetta for a true action game experience. Gameplay is worse than Nier Automata's, which is funny because I've heard that that game is fantastic. Yeah, I don't know why you're playing a Platinum game if you don't like Platinum games. It's kind of right. a silly thing. So he, so he said the game looks good, but like everything else is pretty poor. Um, just, How does that make you feel? Just not true. Just not <laughs> true. I mean, I guess it's opinionated at the end of the day, but I don't know how you could think it's totally poor and worthy of a 4 out of 10. Although, to be fair, a 4 out of 10 actually isn't, com relatively speaking, terrible. Right. If you think the game sucks, a 4 out of 10 is not... I feel like this guy is actually being a little bit more fair in his review. Like, yeah, it's not everything I wanted it to be, but it's not... It's playable. I don't even think he's played it, JP. I'll be honest. <laughs> Acti gave the game a 0 out of 10. I fell for the hype surrounding this game. Combat boring and repetitive. Music cheesy and not suitable to environments. Acting is garbage. Story predictable. This guy is a man of few words. <laughs> <laughs> you know, uh... Um, 0 out of 10. It sounds like he just didn't like the story. 
Uh, no, com- what... Calling the combat boring and repetitive is a little silly because like I, it's like every three chapters you get like a whole new combat system to work with. So that literally is you can disprove that. Um, you made a comment on the music being really good in the game, and he's saying it sucked. And I mean that's very again. I mean that's opinion. You can honestly feel that the music is cheesy. It sounds like he just doesn't like anime because it definitely has kind of like an anime vibe to it. So. Mm-hmm. I mean, I can see that opinion, but giving it a zero because of that, kind of silly. I feel like when you're trying to rate a game, it's really hard for you to be objective about what you're talking about because everybody's got their own tastes and everybody has what they like, but you need to be able to look at the game from kind of outside of that perspective. And a lot of the people here just are not able to do that. All right, Neat QT, who gave the game a three out of 10. Cast, two out of 10. What Story. Does that, what does that even mean, cast? Cast? The supporting the characters? Voice, the voice actors, I guess. The cast, two out of 10. Okay. Story, <laughs> two out of 10. Okay. Uh-huh. okay. No? <laughs> you don't need to even justify it. It's just fun. two out of 10. Fun, two out of 10. How much fun did I have playing the That's game? That's pretty objective That's right it. there. Yeah, I know. He's not even trying. Gameplay, four out of 10. Not recommended. Three out of ten from Neat QT. All right, Leo Shad. That'll be our last one. Read that one. All right. Finally, a zero out of ten from Leo Shad's. Unplayable. Freezes every time on Switch. I tried too many times, but zero percent success. Sad. Didn't spell success right either. <laughs> he, yeah, he didn't spell success right. <laughs> you know. Do you know where the power button is on your Switch? Do you do you know? I've never had it freeze or do anything ridiculous. That's, so yeah, that's the first sounds time. Sounds like I, user error. That's the first time I saw that complaint that it freezes up. Did you notice that at all while you were playing? I just never skipped a beat. I don't even have latency issues or not latency um, frames issues. All right, so you may have a few negative reviews there, but it's overwhelmingly positive, and you were pretty spot on with the uh, user score of this thing. So, well done to you, my man. Thank you. Thank you. All right. So that's going to do it for this episode of the Game Tea Podcast. Um, Once again, thank you to Krista for joining us today to talk about Pokemon a little bit. Yeah, no problem. (laughs) Zar, um, we were actually a lot more productive without you. So this is us telling you you're fired. Eye opening. (laughs) Awesome. Zach, any final thoughts? Please, Nintendo. Give me a Nintendo Direct soon. We're waiting for a new I'm Nintendo hurting group. inside. <laughs> Help me. Other than that, no, thank you so much for listening to our show. I appreciate all our listeners, and thank you so much for tuning in. All right. We will see you guys next week. Thank you all so much for listening to this episode of the Game Tea Podcast. If you liked what you heard, why not follow us on social media? You can find us on Twitter at the Game Tea Podcast X. You can find us on Facebook at the Game Tea Podcast. And you can find us on Instagram at the Game Tea Podcast.